necessarily worth it. Just overcoming that fear in general, making death irrelevant, is pretty liberating. And by doing this, it gives me another opportunity to believe that failure is just um, another word like boogeyman. It doesn't really exist. It's just to scare you from accomplishing goals in life. What are you talking about, Mike Tyson? Philosopher Mike Tyson there. I, the stuff I caught seemed good. Failure is just another word like boogeyman that's there to uh, that exists to stop you from achieving your goals. It's not a real thing. Right. It's just a step on the road to success. And how does that fit into Shark Week? Uh, well, he did a... The, he, he fought a shark. What was, what was hyped up as Tyson versus Shark? He, he essentially just trained to be a with a team of shark divers and kind of wrangle and and hold a shark in place while they attach a camera to its fin. Oh my. Um so he actually does like he grabs a shark by the nose and then they kind of like pet its back and it's 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 really so- not soothing but it's it's interesting to see this ferocious beast just kind of You talking about Mike Tyson? Tape a, <laughs> yes, that and the shark while they duct tape a, a camera to his fin or whatever and and he, so yeah. it was the show was mostly about him overcoming his terror yeah right? and, and he uh, was legit like he was he was throwing up before he jumped in and he he, he had some it was pretty evident that this was not a an act hmm. he was legit scared of it I'll be darned um, now when you feel as beautiful as I do <laughs> what is going to happen to that sad J.C. Penny or Sears store at the end of your mall that used to exist there Amazon's probably going to turn it into a fulfillment center. So Amazon, which drove these companies out of business, is now buying their spots. It's now going to hollow out their corpse and <laughs> occupy it. Yes, and become even wealthier. Uh, so because Well, that's better than it becoming some sort of junky hotel, which oh, yeah. some abandoned malls have become. Sears and JCPenney declared bankruptcy, closing dozens of stores all across the country. Amazon is needing more space for warehouses so they can get stuff to you, you know, same day or next day, and uh, that's how that's all going to turn out. So it might work out all right. It's creative destruction is what it is. Sure. Abolish the police. Those who survived the chaos in Seattle aren't so sure, says the New York Times. (laughs) This written by a woman called Nellie Bowles. It's amazing what happens when people run into their theories in real life. Yeah. What was it like when a city abandoned a neighborhood and the police vanish? Business owners describe a harrowing experience of calling for help and being left all alone. I'll read you a little of this. It's pretty good. And this is in the New York Times, for crying out loud. Faisal Khan was being told by the news media and his own mayor that the protests in his hometown were peaceful with a block party atmosphere. We all remember commenting on that. I do indeed. But that Chaz. Freedom. It's a great feeling to do what you want to do, be what you want to be. Yes. Jazz. 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 But that's not what he saw through the windows of his Seattle coffee shop. He saw encampments overtaking the sidewalks. He saw roving bands of masked protesters smashing windows and looting. It's a block party atmosphere, don't you see? I've been to a number of block parties. I don't recall that. How freaking mad would you be if you own a coffee shop, you got all your money and time tied up in it. You're looking out the window and seeing windows get smashed and all that. And you're watching freaking MSNBC or CNN. And they're telling you it's a block party atmosphere. I don't know what President Trump's talking about. Or listen to NPR in your very town telling you that it's mostly peaceful. Young white men. Again, I'm reading from the New York Times. All right. Wow. Young white men wielding guns would harangue customers as well as Mr. Khan, a gay man of Middle Eastern descent. Oh, he's gay and an immigrant and a brown person that white people were haranguing, but... In the name of anti-racism. But we'll call the block party. Of course, if it's, you know, somebody in a MAGA hat haranguing somebody who's gay and brown, well, that'd be a huge deal. But There'd be hearings on Capitol Hill. Absolutely. 
He'd moved here from Texas so he could more comfortably be out and proud as a gay man. To get into his coffee shop, he sometimes had to seek the permission of self-appointed armed guards to cross a border they had erected. Wow. They barricaded us. They barricaded us all in here, Mr. Khan said, and they're sitting in lawn chairs with guns. Jeez. He had to ask for permission to walk down the street to get to his own coffee shop at this block party, according to MSNBC. For 23 days in June, about six blocks in the city's Capitol Hill neighborhood were claimed by left-wing demonstrators and declared police-free. Protesters hailed it as a liberation from police oppression, from white supremacy, and a catalyst for a national movement. In the wake of the killing of George Floyd, blah, 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 we know all that paragraph that sets all, all these stories. Leaders in many progressive cities are listening, and in New York City, Mayor DeBill de Blasio has announced a plan to shift $1 billion out of the police budget. The Minneapolis City Council is pitching a major reduction, and the Seattle City Council is pushing for a 50% cut to the police department funding. Wow. Incredible. Yeah, this may surprise you. I'm a, I'm a very polite person in real life. I was raised that way. And I tend not to want to have uncomfortable conversations with people. They're going about their lives. I'm going about mine. I think we're about at the point where we're, you're overeducated suburban white friends start spouting this crap, this nonsense, you have to confront them on it. You have to tell them, you're delusional. Your fantasy view of the world and how it works is dangerous, and you need to be quiet. You should have taken some real classes in college and not all that sociology. Wasting your time. Many of these liberals in these liberal cities are nervous about speaking out says this article in the New York Times, lest they lend ammunition to a conservative critique of the Black Lives Matter movement. In Portland, Elizabeth Snow McDougal, the owner of Stephen Ness Legal Printers, emphasized her support for the cause before describing the damage done to her business during the, what is it now, 70-some straight days of rioting in Portland? Right, but even that sentence is full of problems. The Black Lives Matter movement. Do you mean the, the organization... Do you mean just people who in general think black people ought to have the same rights as white people? Do you mean the protesters? Do you mean the rioters? What does that even mean? She described what she was seeing around her business in Portland. One window broken, then another, then another, then another. Garbage to clean off the sidewalk in front of the store every morning. Urine to wash out of our doorway alcove. Graffiti to remove. Uh, cost to board up, and later we'll have cost to repair. Wow. That's your utopia. Back in Seattle, the impact of the occupation on his uh, coffee shop has been devastating. Very few people braved the barricades set up by the armed occupiers to come in for his coffee and breakfast sandwiches. Cars coming to pick up food orders would turn around. At two points, he and his workers felt scared and called 911. They said they would not come in to chop. Or jazz. Jazz. Said Mr. Khan, referring to jazz. It was too lawless. He had to start chipping in for private security, a hard thing to do when his business had already been hurt by the coronavirus. But he considered himself lucky. Even weeks after the protest, blocks of his previously bustling neighborhood remained boarded up and covered in shattered glass. Many business owners are scared to speak out, Mr. Khan said, because of worries that they would be targeted further. Hey, mainstream media, nice job on following up on Chaz. Boarded up windows, broken glass still everywhere, businesses closed down. Nothing about that in the news. Just just nothing. Well, they didn't even do a good job of reporting on it while that was going on. Uh, It's unbelievable. It really is. It's sickening. And, you know, maybe the only thing you need to know about the, the militants, the violent Marxists and all, 
who who were in Seattle, are in Seattle and Portland and, and everywhere else. The difference between them and every other cause you've seen in your life. Can, can anybody tell me what it is? Every demonstration you've ever seen in your life from pro-abortion, anti-abortion, Supreme Court to voting rights now to any demonstration ever. The rest of them want cameras. They want coverage. They want you to see them on the news. The They're Marxists, mad if the press doesn't show up. Right. And then the press shows up and they press the camera good and close so the demonstration looks much bigger than it is. The Antifa, Antifa types, the uh, Marxist types, they'll smash up the cameras. They beat journalists down because they don't want people to see what they're doing. Because what they're doing is horrific and indefensible. They want to start a war. Well, it's working pretty well from their standpoint. Journalists are afraid to cover it. Business owners are afraid to talk to journalists about it, mm-hmm. lest they be attacked. They're right. physically afraid. It's actually working. It's 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 brown shirt Nazi stuff. Right. You don't actually, dare speak out against them. You've actually scared off the press and any opposition from saying anything because yeah. they're physically afraid for their uh, their safety. Yeah, and the great irony that they call themselves anti-fascists when that's straight out of the fascist playbook. And I would have never believed that it would work. I can understand how it works on the local level, but the, 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 on the national level, the fact that the, you know, the, the people at the national level aren't willing to speak out about it. Part of it is that everything is through the lens of, does this help Trump or hurt Trump? Yeah, that is a lot of it. And actually, uh, I don't know whether they're bringing this up or not because it's complicated. I'll just touch on it. Tom Friedman in the New York Times today has a really interesting piece on Beirut. His his specialty is the Middle East and has been forever. He's so great on the Middle East. Whenever he writes about America, he's just yeah. insufferable. Well, he's writing about America and comparing it to Beirut. But he's he's talking about this is how it starts, and you end up like Beirut. And the way it's been there forever in Lebanon is they just divide it into everybody's got their own own set of facts, their own beliefs, their own. There's no shared anything, mm-hmm. and 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 it's just society just falls apart. It just it doesn't it just fa- it ceases to work. Yes, but do they get a lot of clicks? And how uh, everything had become politics over the years in Lebanon. Every single thing was politics, like mm-hmm. it is becoming now in America. Whether you get your kid vaccinated or wear a mask or believe schools should be open or whatever it is, it's all an indication of your politics. And you're on one side or the other. And he said that we're going the direction of Lebanon, Beirut. Mm. Um, and that's where you end up with, with that explosion. The explosion happened because of a failure of government. They're just so rotted out. Uh, the government's so rotted out that no, nobody believes anything. Um Everybody's skimming. Yeah, everybody's. Yeah, exactly. Right. And if there's something with no profit in it, like getting tons of explosives out of a warehouse that have been sitting there for years, nobody cares. Nobody does anything. He put too much of the blame on Trump for my taste in that, you know, we brought Trump. Trump didn't bring this. I I don't Maybe when when Trump is eventually gone in, in one or four years, people will understand that. Um, It's troubling, though. Yeah. Well, I think he's absolutely right. You already see it. I mean, even if there's something that only a few years ago would have been universally agreed upon, the militants, the rioters are evil. They're lawbreakers. They have a, a, a just a malignant philosophy, and they're smashing up legitimate businesses, legitimate people, and they're just evil. Everybody would have agreed on that. 
But now they don't because, you know, it, it depends if you're conservative or, or progressive or whatever. The, uh, the spying on the Trump campaign. Matt Taibbi, who's so far left to me, I have to actually call him on the telephone. I can't even shout. He's too far away. <laughs> um, talking about how this is clearly an enormous story of government overreach. But nobody on his side is well, willing to even entertain the notion. I want to hear more of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. we got to get to the uh, South Korean YouTuber and what happened to him. It's unfortunate. He's, mm. he's recovering in a hospital. Mm. Um, well, you know, some of your YouTube pranks don't go well. There are things that do not go together. I mean, chocolate syrup and uh, olive oil. I don't know. Fire and genitals. They just <laughs> never, <laughs> never. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. What was that you're wondering to yourself? Fine whooping. I'll just read it as it is here. All right. South Korean YouTuber sets private parts on fire Mm -hmm. during gaming live stream. Shin Tai Il, also known as the infamous Angry Korean Gamer. Well, he's got a new (laughs) nickname now. Set his crotch area on fire as a penalty for losing a Fall Guys game. That's the name of a video game, Mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. Following the suggestion of his viewers. Uh, yeah, no, I hate to go with the old, if someone told you to jump off a bridge. Uh, if someone I, told you to set fire to your genitals. Now, Jimmy, if someone told you to set fire to your genitals, would you do it? Of course not, Mom! He appeared to be... Uh, how visi- many people are watching in this scenario? He appeared to Does be... Does it get me lots of clicks? Yeah, do, do, do I become a household name and therefore advertisers blah, blah, blah on my YouTube channel? Visibly in, ang- in agony... Well, you can hear it in his voice, the poor lad. Let's hear a little in bit. In agony. Again. Sounds like agony. All right. Mm. So apparently he said he'd do it if something happened and some, whatever it was that was going to happen, and then so he did it. And uh, listen, uh, the, the viewers were, you know, they said he kept his end of the deal. Can't believe he actually did it. Be like, you know, I said I'd eat my truck if Trump were ever the nominee of the Republican Party. Yes. And I did not eat my truck. N- liar. This guy said he would set his crotch on fire if something happened, and he went he went ahead and paid off his bet. Second-degree burns, too. Terrible. Said if he ill-advised. He said if he didn't come in first place, he'd set his genitals on fire. Mm. Well, he didn't come in in first place, and he set his genitals That's on some fire. some poor decision-making there, son. <laughs> I, I, I'm reminded of, uh, it's in the Old Testament, it's actually, uh, uh, I think it's in the Koran, Satan is the tempter. I mean, sometimes in Western like uh, literature, modern thought, we think of uh, the, the evildoer as just, you know, haunting houses and, and uh, doing evil, as opposed to tempting us to do evil, mm. which is the New Testament's description of Satan. And it strikes me that the click... The click, the desire for clicks is leading, we were talking about this last segment, news organizations into doing evil. 
tempted this guy into setting fire to his junk. Yeah, and in our personal lives, uh, you know, people go to great lengths for just likes. You know, Mm -hmm. number of people who give the thumbs up or heart or whatever to your tweet. Right. Tears kids up. I mean, kids are depressed, suicidal, whatever, because they didn't get enough clicks. No, I don't. I haven't like written out a whole theology of this. Well, but how I did think your, there's something there. How did your wedding go? Well, how many how many likes did you get of this picture or that picture or the video of the first dance or whatever? Yeah. So is that uh, Satan or, or or however you conceive of the universe trying to drag you away from what is good and true to something that is not? That is the the ancient conception of the evildoer. Anyway, sorry, thought just occurred to me. Hmm. little deep for this time of day. <laughs> I've got just a little more from that New York Times article that went back to Chaz in Seattle to check on it now that it's over. And uh, it's it's worth passing along to you. It's really quite amazing. Also, um, talked much earlier in the show, but I know we were having technical problems. The big story of the election, certainly early on, on after Election Day, is going to be all the absentee ballots and all the ballots that get thrown out. Millions and millions of ballots of your votes are going to be thrown out, and you don't realize it. Plus, Chicago went crazy yesterday, last night. More on the hilarious Tulane University scandal. A lot of good stuff to come. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We talked about this last week. It's uh, I took in a bunch of podcasts and did about a, re- a lot of reading about it over the weekend. It's clearly the case, almost certain that we won't have a result on election night like we're used to, uh, president-wise, and uh, it could be weeks or months. And even bigger than that, uh, the chance of there being one side or the other that can claim something bad happened uh, is very high. Here's here's what I've found out that I didn't know. We've had mail-in voting for years, but the percentage of people who did it has always been so low that it just didn't really matter. So you didn't pay that much attention to it. Almost always, the the number of people that go and vote at the polls that day is so overwhelming that you don't even need to open up the mail-in <clears throat> ballots. You get to the end of the day, and, and you know, whoever, Obama won by 4%, which is, you know, in your state, a, a million votes. There are 60,000 mail-in ballots. There's no point in even counting them. Why bother? I think they do count them. I think they're required, required <laughs> to by law. Yeah. But it doesn't make any difference, so nobody's ever paid any attention. But it turns out the percentage of mail-in ballots that get rejected, tossed out because they don't meet the various criteria, is way higher than you think. Hmm. Um, For instance, in New York right now, they're still struggling to come up with a result from an election 50-some days ago. They've tossed out 30% of the ballots. 30? 30%. Oh, my gosh. In Wisconsin, just a couple of weeks ago, they had an election in which they tossed out 23,000 mail-in ballots. Trump won Wisconsin by 22,000 votes last time around. Oh, boy. Now, how many people are going to vote by mail-in ballot? We don't actually know, but the guy who runs uh, balloting in Orange County guessed he thinks it's going to be about 95%. 
Orange County, California. Orange County, California. Okay. One of the more, you know, populated counties in America. Wow. Well, if that's true, then it's many, many, many times higher than it's been in the past. And then you've got a, you know, 20 to 30 percent rejection rate. Even if it's like 5 percent, it would be millions and millions and millions of votes that are going to get tossed out. Well, yeah. I mean, if 50 percent of people vote via mail, then 5 percent of that would be so many more than the old totals. It just dwarfs them. Either your postmark isn't right, or your signature doesn't match, or you didn't fill out one line. There are a whole bunch of different ways that they can uh, they can toss um, a mail-in ballot. And I'm big on signing my name under the date line, because I didn't really read it carefully. I do that all the time. And I have to put the date under the signature, and I hope they take it. <laughs> where I sign where it says print, and print where I said sign. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, if you if we have it if it's close at all, <clears throat> there's going to be it's just going to be chaos. You'll have irresponsible people on one side or both claiming. Well, no, it'll be both claiming that the votes aren't being counted properly, and then you'll have China and Russia and North Korea and Iran or whoever else on social media buying ads and and issuing messages claiming all sorts of deranged stuff, which a certain number of Americans will believe. Different states have different rules. And, you know, if you have suppressing the vote, if you have red states where it's the the belief is because there is some polling that shows there are way more Democrats that are going to vote by mail than Republicans. Part of it is the whole the same with masks. It's the way you perceive the virus and, you know, your fear of the coronavirus and all that sort of stuff. If way more Democrats than Republicans vote by mail, then way more Democrat votes are going to get tossed out. It just stands to reason. Um, I repeat myself. They're suppressing the vote. And, yeah. And, you know, if Trump wins and you had five million Democrat votes tossed out nationwide, Uh-oh. it'll just be insane. Well, I just hope people keep a calm uh, demeanor and a cool hat and don't and are willing smash to, stuff in the streets. And are willing to listen to the authorities describe how, no, this is perfectly normal. This is the way it always is. Right. No, no. Because you'll you'll see fake news all over the place trying to whip people up. We were talking earlier about how Chicago melted down. There's a police-involved shooting yesterday. It was totally legitimate. They responded to a guy with a gun, and uh, the guy started shooting at the cops. Cops returned fire, hit him, arrested him. And then some agitator, some maniac, started to yell at the, the neighbors who'd all gathered, saying, They shot a child! It was a child! They shot him! And after he was down, they shot him again! And he got the crowd all whipped up, and there's violence and insanity, and people were chucking stuff at the cops. None of it was true, but word spread like wildfire. People got all whipped up. Man, we could see that after the election pretty oh, easily. It's Yikes. it's not. This isn't a, boy, if this happens and this happens and this happens and five things happen just right, we could have this. It's it's. I think it's close to the most likely situation. Um, Man, I just sold my cabin in the woods. I'm going to have to build myself a lean-to or... Maybe just dig a hole. And the the dispatch. I'll hide in my hole, my hidey hole. The dispatch was reporting, and if you haven't checked their news site, you should. But the dispatch was reporting the Republicans have been building up their mail-in ballot infrastructure for years and are way ahead of the Democrats. Really? Uh, and it it stands to reason because older voters or my parents have been voting by mail for years. Mm-hmm. Older voters are way more likely. They're way more likely to vote Republican. You want to make sure every older voter in America. Votes by mail. Young people, I'm I'm still this way. It certainly was when I was younger, even more. Me getting the 
the find the ballot and the stamp and where I got to put it. I'll just go to the poll on the election day. Right. If I vote at all as a young mm-hmm. person. Yeah. Um, so it just, you know, that makes sense that it would be that case. So why Trump, you know, is attacking mail-in voting? Nobody's quite sure the strategy on that. There's no indication that it benefits Democrats more than Republicans. Mm. In fact, there is some indication that it benefits Republicans more than Democrats, as I was just pointing out, mail-in balloting. So why he's tearing it down, who knows what his strategy is on that. But if it, you have a handful of states where the mail-in ballots make the difference, in some of those swing states, they're not allowed to start counting until Election Day. California changes the rules. They can start counting 30 days out. So they'll have them all counted by Election Day. Yeah, Biden's going to win California anyway. It doesn't make any difference. Right. But states like that, they'll have, them, they'll have them counted by Election Day. But several of the swing states, you're not allowed to even open them up. If 95% of the people in your state voted by mail-in ballot and you can't open them up till Election Day, you aren't going to have them counted for a week. Oh, at least, yeah. yeah. If not weeks. Well, yeah, and then, uh, as you pointed out before, you got 20 30% are called questionable or somebody claims they should be tossed out. There's going to be an enormous, careful review process of that, just like in uh, 2000 with the hanging chads and the pregnant chads. Well, look at the more I think about it. So Biden's ahead by whatever he's ahead by. A nation, nationally, by the way, it's shrunk to 6%. It was double digits. It's now shrunk. It's tightened, no doubt about it. A couple real, more people heard him speak and thought he has dementia. In the real clear politics average, it's six. But in these, in the, in some of these swing states where Biden's leading by ten, well, if twenty percent of the ballots get tossed out, you mm-hmm. can erase that easily. Wow, wow, it's this could be a for real constitutional crisis. Oh boy, you got state by state. Is it a Democrat in charge of the voting process, Secretary of State generally, or is it a Republican? And that's going to feed into the narratives and the rest of it. Right, because remember you had Al Gore's people on the phone with Jeb Bush back in 2000, and Al Gore yelling at Jeb Bush, you know, Jeb, you're not the final word on whether your brother becomes president or whatever Al Gore said at the time, Mm. because he had to, (laughs) the soon-to-be president's brother was the guy in charge of the state where they're making the rules on the fly. As to uh, because they didn't have them set in stone as to how you handled the the ballots. Mm. What a mess! Yeah, boy, I hope it doesn't go that way, but it sure could. I, I think, in it, fact, it's likely. I, isn't I, it? I think it's the most likely. Yeah, no violence, people. No violence. Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Jesus, those aren't good enough for you. There's come on. There's also something weird about, and just in my mind anyway, mail-in ballots, people going to the polls. And voting, I am much more likely to assume that that was legit. Yes. Than people, than stuff being mailed in and then a bunch of people in a room opening them up. Yeah. For some reason, and I'm not sure that makes perfectly good sense, but I think that's the way most people look at it. Yeah. Uh, I would agree. It's an entirely different thing to fake up a vote in person than via mail. Well, now the counting process, I don't, I don't have any particular fear about that unless somebody's just utterly crooked, but well, I think that's harder to get away with these days. If the guy in Orange County is right, and if Orange County is, you know, not an outlier, and most states are like that, the number of votes thrown out is almost certainly going to be larger than the difference between Trump and Biden, isn't it? If he's right. If it's the, 15, 20% they and, throw, toss out. And what did he say? 95% of people will vote by mail? He thinks so, yeah. That's his expectation. Oh. Well, even if it's 50, that's big enough. Oof. 
Oof is problem. right. That's a problem. Oof is correct. The truer word has never been oofed. I'm a little concerned. Luckily, everybody's just in a great mood and totally relaxed at this point. So, and there, we'll go into the chaos, uh, you know, calmly. And and you know, I was going to get back to the New York Times article about Antifa in Seattle. You got that aspect of it. You got a, a gang of people out there that are hell bent on just destruction that have been given the nod that you can bust up windows and attack businesses in cities all and across try to America. try blind cops and, and hurl bricks at them? Nobody's going to really even do anything about it. No. no. Nobody's even going to try to stop you. We won't even write about it. Yeah, the media won't even report on it. Yeah. So you add that to the mix of, of people that might legitimately feel like the election was stolen and they're, mm. they're upset? Yeah. Oh, there's some Americans who are not going to put up with that sort of thing. We have at uh, armstrongandgetty.com a video of Antifa types trying to do their thing in Fort Collins, Colorado, and a number of patriotic Americans were not having it. Ends rather badly for the Antifa punks. Uh, You might enjoy it on some uh, primal level. That's all I'm saying. A couple of businesses that have really taken it in the shorts during the whole COVID thing. A couple of them are pretty predictable. Shorts manufacturers. <laughs> no, shorts manufacturers are doing great. Oh. It's uh, business attire manufacturers that oh, are yeah. really doing poorly, among other things. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Ain't nobody wearing a suit right now. How many people have put on a suit in the last couple of months? Not very many people. Nope. Um, which All is, the suit-wearing offices in this building have closed. Some temporarily, some permanently. And the USA Today is asking if it'll ever come back. We were, we were heading more casual as it was. In 2011, one in five suits in America were purchased at one of men's warehouse stores. Then, a decade later, before Corona... Uh, demand for suits had collapsed nationwide as people got more casual, and now they think it might just put an end to it. Wow. You know, just, you know, things change. Like, you know, look at old-timey pictures when men wore wool hats all the time. You just wouldn't be seen without one. Sure. Um, Then they go away. Well, maybe suits are just going to end as a thing. PGA Championship just played uh, in uh, San Francisco. Uh, young Colin Morikawa, the PGA champ, who I happen to have a fair amount of money on. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, back in the day, he would have been wearing a, a dress shirt, a vest, and a jacket to play golf. So, yeah, things change. Oh, speaking of the Bay Area, California, I just want to hit you with this really quickly. Dr. Scott Morrow, who is the uh, county health officer for San Mateo County, um, in the Bay Area said, I wish to apologize to all the businesses that were closed this week. I am not supportive of these actions. And for San Mateo County, I believe they are misdirected and will cause more harm than good. Wow. Good good for you, dude. Yeah, good for you. You got some stones, sir, and I appreciate that. He likened the process that led to the restrictions on specific businesses to, quote, looking for your lost keys under a streetlight, even though you lost them miles away, which is actually an, an old joke. The light's better over here. Our numbers indicate we are in a relatively stable state in regards to the spread of the virus. For those who want to drive the spread to zero, this is simply not possible. He added health officials, quote, have a good idea of what's causing the spread, and it's not primarily from barbershops, nail salons, or the other businesses that were targeted in this most recent closure. Good for you, sir. Good for you. Speak your mind. 
Um, in a statement, he addressed the various check benchmarks that the state puts in place. He said, um, it feels like some newly created bureaucratic box just itch- itching to be checked. Um, yeah, good job. Appreciate it. Yeah, so that reminds me. I saw this over the weekend. I thought it was an interesting uh, thought experiment on how you look at this. Uh, Brandon Donkey tweeted on our uh, site. That's uh, funny. Our news donkey has his own uh, Twitter account. Yeah. And, allegedly. And, he, and he thinks about the big, you know, the big mm-hmm. issues of the day mm-hmm. as a donkey. Yeah. Anyone else think it's weird that we freaked out to such an extreme level over a disease with a ninety-nine percent survivability rate? And then some people started responding to that. Uh, one person said, "So if we saved just almost everyone, I mean, if you started out from the beginning and you looked at it from that angle." What would you have to do to save 99% of people from this disease? Um, nothing. Practically nothing. Go get it. And 99% would survive. Mm-hmm. Because uh, if 1% died, that would be 3,280,000 people. Horrific number. Oh, yeah. So if you look at it that way, if you look at it from the standpoint of, you know, what are you willing to do to save 3 million lives, you might say a lot. But you got to admit, if you look at it from the other way, what what are you willing to do to save nine to, to save ninety nine percent of people? What are you willing to do to get that last one percent nine trillion dollars worth of damage? Not have kids go to school for a year plus? And those are two extreme choices. How about we cut it halfway? How about we just mask up, socially distance, and cut the number in half? I don't know the answer. I haven't had a loved one die, so you might have a different view of it. Indeed, that's a but. Do you do you wreck the economy? Nine trillion dollars worth of devastation that a lot of people will never recover from to save three million lives in a country of three hundred and twenty-eight million. Yeah. I was looking at a survey of our major metropolitan areas around this beautiful country, and uh they average your your top ten metro areas, two to five thousand businesses permanently closed. They have gone away. And that is, you know, uh, I don't know, with the average small business probably has uh, six employees, something like that. That is tens of hundreds of thousands of jobs that now no longer exist. And as always, as we've said around here, we're not arguing that it has to be one way or another. We just want the conversation to be balanced. We want the the fixation on eliminating covid deaths i don't care if we get twice as many cancer deaths and and deaths of despair and suicide oh, yeah, i yeah. just it's just about the covid that's the yeah. only thing that matters i left that out of the math because yeah of the 3 million however many you got to add or you did subtract to it i guess cuz you, you there's a whole bunch of other deaths that wouldn't have happened mm-hmm. if you hadn't done all this right. so we did, so it's actually be a smaller number, probably. We mentioned last week, Kaiser Health News had this article where people were having uh, heart attack symptoms and not going to the hospital because they're terrified of the COVID. People have stopped their cancer screenings or they've been told there's a six-month wait because we're you know doing whatever new procedures to prevent the spread of the COVID. It's funny. I just heard uh, funny, strange, not funny, haha, obviously, but the, the vid, I believe, just became the number three killer in America for 2020. Although it is dwarfed, dwarfed, dwarfed by heart disease and cancer. Oh, yeah. A half of a half, 500,000 people die of lung cancer every year, for instance. Right, for instance, right. But people aren't going to the hospital. They can't breathe. They feel like there's an elephant on their chest, but they're not going because of the vid. I think we've got things a little out of perspective. Did I miss something on that, Sean? 
You look perplexed. I'm not certain of my uh, conclusion on that. I just thought it was an interesting thought experiment. I, I'm just hesitant to attach the statistics that we now know seven months into the pandemic and blame people for the decisions they made when we knew nothing about it. Oh, that, when that, we thought it might be 10% th- of the, people. To me, that's the biggest variable, is that it was a novel, meaning new, and nobody knew what was going on. And all the, the early indications, because we didn't know about how uh, asymptomatic cases sure. and, and things like that. If it was going to kill one out of 10. But that that's fair enough. But uh, I'm talking about now. Yeah, going why are we still doing it now? Doing now? <laughs> yeah. Not holding on to some of the the early uh, conceptions of the thing when they've been disproved. But and in that case, I'm uh, I'm 100 percent on board that we should adjust our plans going forward as more data comes in. And to further uh, burnish my bona fides as a reasonable man, plenty of people who don't die appear to be scarred for life. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It, this is a serious son of a gun. This disease. Yeah. I'm not dismissive of it at all, um, but it's just so obvious that we have become fixated on one health cost to the point that we are blind to all the other health costs that we are running up. And then discounting economic, all the other stuff, as if it doesn't matter right, in the yeah. equation. Yeah, I think if you only stick to health costs, my argument's strong enough, but mm-hmm. if you add in just misery and poverty and the rest of it, yeah, it's it's... It's a very powerful argument. Armstrong and Getty.